Welcome everyone to another episode of Mindscapes and Beyond. I'm your host Ripley and today we have a truly special guest joining us. I have alluded to him before. He is that highly successful entrepreneur, my partner. He's known for his experience in scaling businesses, hiring top talent, and crafting custom strategies that propel companies to new heights. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Art to the show. Art, thank you for being here. Ripley, thank you for having me. Very excited to uh, chat with you on your podcast and very excited for this venture that you're doing here. Let's chat. We look forward to it. Okay, so we're going to jump right into it because I have a lot of questions and he has a lot to share. My first question is, Art, can you share a pivotal moment in your entrepreneurial journey that significantly shaped your mindset? Um, sure. Um, in terms of pivotal moment, entrepreneurial journey, and shaping mindset, those are all you know, pretty key trigger words. And what I'll say is, uh, an entrepreneur, in my opinion, is a leader. And so where were these moments of leadership that you realize, or I realize that I could make a significant impact in business? You know, I don't think anyone ever sets out to be an entrepreneur. I think they see the opportunity and the experience that they can create for others and they take that leadership role. And so when I look into when I first started, it was the ability to provide for others. And so I looked at the leadership that was already in place um, and being able to create a better environment for my workers, for my staff, for the people that we were in partnership with. Um, that was the biggest eye opener for me. And that's where I really wanted to make an impact and bring as much positive influence I could bring to the organizations that I was with when I first started out. It sounds like you had a very altruistic, really, you know, mindset going into it. Did that change at all based on your experiences or is that still the same kind of core value that you carry today? Um, you know, going to college, university, whatever you want to call it, you know, you're learning fundamental principles, but going into the workplace and seeing how things actually working with practical application makes you look at the universe a little differently and you want to have an impact obviously in the entrepreneurship that you're with and so that made a difference then and I think if I've always kept with that same mindset how can I improve how can I contribute and how can I make the overall experience for anywhere from you know the worker to our actual customer and how can I make that improved very interesting. What a great answer. Okay, so as we dive deeper into question number two, Art, how do you approach risk and decision making in this dynamic business world? risk and decision making um you're in multiple verticals you're in multiple states risk is is a is a factor that can be 
written out based on number of variables. The decision making is how you value those risks and how you quantify those risks and how you want to approach each one of those. Um, being an entrepreneur, you are a little bit in the exposure department in terms of you, you can assess the risk same as if you were in corporate, but your decision-making has higher consequences. Um, you know, whether you're a startup or you're, you know, a mid-sized company, you know, those decisions will have lasting effects on not only your bottom line, but the, the vision and direction of the company that you're managing or, or you're controlling. So, you know, you have to take into factor, you know, the business world in terms of what's going on, economies, who's the president, you know, where, where is the, you know, your industry going up, down, you know, on a plateau, um, you know, and then making a decision that's best suited for, you know, not only for your bottom line, but for everyone involved. And so it, that is, you know, a constant that happens in entrepreneurship and you know the biggest thing with entrepreneurs that i notice is that they're emotionally involved in a lot of the businesses they're in and so can they truly assess the risks can they truly make a decision based on the circumstances and understanding the environment that they're in so i try to be as you know I don't want to say disconnected, but I want to be as, as uh, objective, objective. There we go. As objective as I can be in making the right decision for, you know, everyone involved, obviously. And so when you talk about planning and the way that you speak about risk, I know that you are a real big, what I would say pre-planner and you do approach different verticals because of the factors you listed. You know, what is the political landscape? What are these opportunities? Given that I've seen your pro formas and the way you use numbers, do you think that utilizing pro formas and really making a numerical decision is a way that you prevent risk or is that just something completely separate? I didn't know you did that, but with that said, um, <laughs> yes, I mean, bottom line, math never lies. Mm -hmm. So you, you can take into factors all of the emotional or sociological or, you know, excitement of what you're trying to accomplish. And then you go and do a risk analysis in terms of financials and pro forma, and that will tell you, you know, how big your dream looks or how realistic that dream looks. And then from there, you can make I think a more calculated decision because math is unbiased to personal opinion. Um, and you can actually quantify math with, you know, um, fallout rate cancellation. Have you um, turned down opportunities because of pro formas? Of course. How many would you say? What percentage? Well, I'm an entrepreneur, so therefore I'm naturally a gambler by choice. So I am willing to take risk. Um, but I actually use my pro formas to, devalue the opportunities that I have come in front of me. So I, I will write them out best case scenario and I will write them out worst case scenario. Mm. And then from there, I'm able to get like a good gauge on, you know, if everything goes great, this is what it looks like. If it doesn't go great, um, this is also what it looks like. And then the, the kicker to it is my time. The time I give it will tell me if this risk is worth making a decision that will take my time away from potentially something else. Oh. And the time is really the value of myself or my team. And that's really what I'm trying to that's understand. That's your currency. That's my currency. Wow. 
outstanding. Okay, Art, still in the hot seat. So, given your experience in different industries, I'm very curious to know what key principles do you find universally acceptable to business success? That's a really interesting and <laughs> complex question at the same time. <laughs> what do you, uh, what areas of principles are you, are you speaking of? Firing back at me. Um, I'm specifically talking about those benchmarks that you use to determine whether or not this vertical or this company is something that you feel will be successful. Gotcha. Um, in terms of principles, and this and this can apply to you know all businesses, all verticals, whether you want to sell you know pens or you want to sell service or you know your walking dogs, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I'm looking at you know what is the 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 market opportunity in terms of you know potential clients or subscribers or you know consumers that i can reach here domestically in the united states um what is the you know demand currently as well as the projected demand over time um something that i do that you you know commented on you know, in other conversations was, I also look at the political landscape and, you know, where is the economies and the political environment going? You know, you know, we're doing, you know, most of the, the stuff I do is, you know, national based, you know, 50 states across the country, you know, what is the trend that's happening and what is the trend that's leading towards um, this particular product or service? Wow. And random question why do you stay localized in the united states it seems like you have such a good grasp why not go international why have you not really expanded into other countries um to be honest americans are consumers by nature mm -hmm. so there is a you know a large demographic here and i've lived in you know different countries and each country has its own you know ethos of how they approach things, how they consumer buy. And, you know, Americans are, you know, pretty uh, cut and dry. They're very, yeah, very particular, very A to B. Um, you know, if you want to go to Latin America or Europe, you're going to get a different, you know, process for them to become a consumer. Whereas in America, it's, it's very straightforward. And that's, you know, something we've, we've understood. Very, very interesting. And another thing you said is that with these principles you you make sure that they you know enhance success and how did you come up with these was this something that you just learned on the fly was it something that you learned from a mentor or in the classroom how did you did i know that you're a genius did you just literally come up with these because i know them because i work with you but i've always kind of wondered the origin well, genius is a loose word and I wouldn't use that around <laughs> me. Um, you know, what, what's the old saying, you know, A students work for B students and B for C, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> in this particular case, um, my background is in advertising. So what can I market to? What is hot? What has, you know, we call it what has legs, you know, what has this, uh, mm. you know, 
a, a long-standing process where we can, you know, build an environment where people are going to be interested in a service or product, and then we're actively going after them and creating a, a user experience and employee experience where there's fulfillment, not only from the consumer side, but on the, you know, employment side, and and it's overall, you know, we find this is a this is a win for everyone, and that's a, that's a, another important thing. It's got to be. You may have a personal passion. But what does your consumer have? What does your person that's answering the phone? What does your fulfillment department have that they? Everyone is fuf- being fulfilled along the way, mm-hmm. and and it's a positive experience because that will resonate with them. And you know, like I told you before, I've had employees for you know ten, fifteen years that have been with me forever, and they are fulfilled. And that is you know a, another key aspect of you know what we're trying to do. But ultimately, it comes down to. What can we market to that people have a demand and a want for that、mm-hmm. we can fulfill that will give them a sense of you know happiness as well as giving our staff a sense of happiness、um, along the process. Well, talk about a master class! You guys are getting really, really great material here. So outstanding. Next question. Okay, now one of my favorite questions here. So, Art, looking back at your journey, what is the challenge that you faced where you initially thought it was insurmountable, but then you were able to overcome it? Wow, that's your question. <laughs> okay.、Um, looking back is not something I do often,、um, but with that said. I will answer this the best I can.、Um, insurmountable is a is a monstrous word,、um, and I'm big into words and 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 how they're used.、Um, it's not so much overcome; it's identifying and being able to move past, resolve, or attack head on.、Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I faced, still face, and consider it a Um, I don't want to say. I would consider it a an area that's always improving and always necessary is experience. I may look at different verticals, I may look at different business models, and I may not necessarily have the experience in those businesses. But what I'm looking at is what type of person can I hire that will provide my team the experience necessary to be successful. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to market the crap out of it. I'm going to make it, you know, the phones ring, the business revenue go up. But it's really going to come down to the experience that the people answering the phones or you know doing the fulfillment are able to you know provide to the consumer or the clients, whatever it may be. And so I need to be able to, you know, tangibly plug into that experience in hiring professionals or experts in the field. To give my consumer or client experience the best possible one, so that they're completely satisfied and my team feels educated and understanding of what they're doing. So it doesn't matter what the business is. If you have a passion in it, the question is who are you leaning on for the experience? Because we all know there's someone older, wiser, and stronger. And how are you pulling from that and using that as a tool to make your Business be successful, and that was the first thing when I started out. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to start this business, and I have no idea what I'm doing." 
I could have been, you know, brazen and said, I'll just figure it out or I'll make the answers as I go. Instead, I looked on finding resources and experienced employees, uh, experienced mentors, people that could provide us answers that would make our overall business successful. And that's the biggest challenge was identifying the experience that would make the business successful. So it sounds like your solution, really the common theme there was looking for talent that were able to attack this issue. Um, well, find- your, your question was, what is the what challenge is the that you faced when you are getting into a new vertical that maybe the financials look great? How can you be successful? What do you, what you need do I a actually, subject matter expert. what do I actually bring to the table? Yes, I have drive the and, idea. And, and the idea and a, and a, and a have and a you ever had a hard time finding a subject matter expert? I think the key is in looking at the questions I'm asking into for like an, an interview or in terms of or with your network, it's more of, um, let's see. It's more of, you know, we look at that, let's go back to your statement about the pro forma. We're looking at the pro forma, where are the gaps? Where are the areas Mm -hmm. that are gonna be the unknowns? And who can we rely on that's gonna help us, you know, fulfill that? Whether it's employee talent, whether it's, uh, you know, mentorship, whether it's, uh, you know, fulfillment partners, we're looking for the best possible solutions that are gonna make our overall experience go. Guarantee success. Guaranteed is never, never a, a word, word. Oh, but yeah. um, you know, I want to identify the areas where we're going to need the most help. Mm. And so your your issue was is you know what was the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge was one identifying where we would need the most help, and then two finding that expertise that can help us uh, you know m- mitigate and and you know shorten that learning curve to be successful. I think that is a very, very humble answer coming from a entrepreneur who says the answer is you find talent. I think that's great. All right, next question. Can you share a specific failure or setback that taught you a valuable lesson and influenced your future decisions? Um, do you have a specific one that you want me to discuss? <laughs> so you have multiple? Um, there's been a lot of free throws, a lot of missed, you know, three pointers along the way. And a lot of wow. you know, decisions that have been maybe thought to be the best and weren't and, or, you know, lessons that were learned that I Which did one not... taught you the most valuable lesson then if we can narrow it down? The fact that you have multiple speaks volumes. I think that's so interesting. Most valuable. Let's let's talk about what you think your audience wants to hear. Is it about money gained or lost? Always the marketing guy. Relationships won or gained or lost? I want to talk about something that changed your actual methodology or approach or earned you more money because that's also something we learned entrepreneurs are really looking for. Profit, PL, ROI. Take your time. A specific failure or a setback. 
I would say, in this case, you're talking about, you know, a negative. So where is something that I miss something? A negative that turned into a positive. Got it. So where is something that I missed? Yeah. That taught me a lesson yep. that I was able to turn around and not make that mistake again and not make that mistake again. And it improved you. For those of you that are entrepreneurs, I will give you or aspiring. Some of them are aspiring. They're already there. They're doing it. <laughs> they are entrepreneurs. Got if it. they identify as it, they have officially, oh, I love that. Actually. They've officially All taken right. that, you I know, stand corrected. that flag, they're running down the field, you know, and it's just a matter of where they stake their claim love that so i have every you know motivation to encourage you know all entrepreneurs um the biggest setback or failure was a cash flow mm. i have made millions of dollars i've made less than a hundred thousand dollars all within different years within a, like a 15 year period the biggest thing i can say to entrepreneurs is set a lifestyle that you can afford set a lifestyle that you are comfortable with control your personal finances so that you are within your means you will have good years you will have bad years you will make millions you will make nothing you will go bankrupt you will become a multi-millionaire the key is to set your lifestyle to one that you are comfortable with that is within your means that keeps you level-headed and keeps you able to see your objective and your end goal clearly and comfortably. I've had hundreds of employees and driven a Prius while my accountant pulled up in a 750 Li BMW. And she was like, is that your car? And I was like, you know what I am? Comfortable and I am happy. And I drive a lot, so I want the, the mileage. <laughs> so the key is, if, especially, and this is key for entrepreneur, if you want to be able to attack and go after your goals with, you know, vigor, ambition, and without any kind of like repercussions to your business being successful, you need to be financially sound. And that means living below your means. And when I say below your means, I'm saying live a number that makes you comfortable and you're happy and you're able to work. When you have a big year, little bonuses here, Hawaii, the Bahamas, whatever you want to do, but it's save, save, save stay with a steady lifestyle and allow yourself the opportunity to see the next opportunity, whether it's in the same vertical or a different vertical, you want to have the ability to be flexible. And that's and because of inconsistencies. Entrepreneurship in itself is not a career job. Mm -hmm. It goes up, it goes down. You mm -hmm. will have pivots, you will have mistakes. You need to be comfortable so that you can make the best decision for your business. Outstanding. Are you okay with that answer? I approve of that answer. You, you kind of stumped me on that one for a second. I was like, failures, I was, setbacks. I know. I threw some aggressive words that I swear I would uh, not use. Uh, All right. That was number one of like the biggest issue you can address. That's a, that's a great advice. Okay. Still in the hot seat. This is one of my very favorite questions. Art, how do you prioritize your time and maintain work-life balance, especially with diverse business responsibilities? You've got a lot on your plate. Oh, I feel like you're playing to your strong suits, but whatever. 
Um, in terms of prioritizing my time, I think you know the answer to this one. What's that? Um, you were gracious enough to introduce me to time boxing. Um, I think that I prioritized my time until we actually looked at my schedule and you shredded that apart. <laughs> this is completely true, by the way. And so, you know, with her comment, her question about how do you prioritize time, obviously I told you initially that time is the, the biggest asset you have. I know mm -hmm. it sounds a little cliche, but your efforts and time and where you spend it will dictate what your output and production is. And so um, I think you identified early on something that I was, you know, maybe spinning my wheels or spending time on things that weren't necessarily you know, advantageous to like the process, um, especially, you know, when we're doing, you know, a new startup or a new vertical. Um, so I'm going to cut you off here. One thing that I spoke about in another episode, the entrepreneurship episode, I spoke about how we would work with each other and say, you know, take, you need to take a day and you would go on like a run and that's when you did your best thinking. And so you had good work-life balance and you would do like a, like a 10 mile run and you'd call me and say, I found the solution to the thing that we've been thinking about. Talk more about that. I think that's so interesting. So in entrepreneurship, it's a 24 seven job. It does, you know, weigh on your mind every day, all day. Um, I will tell you on Mondays, I don't work out. Mondays are just for, you know, there's going to be fires and problems. There's going to be, you know, situations that require your attention. And so I've, I've given up Monday to just work, but every other day of the week, um, I'm trying to, you know, carve out time to go for a run or go to the gym. Cut sideline he used to be a professional soccer player by the way and so this is why this is so important he's not just a normal person just so you know i mean when we say professional we mean sitting on the bench for multiple teams <laughs> i'm glad you're amused um so with that said um i could probably go to the gym four days a week i probably run five days a week um i'm big into running is my my zen whether yours is you know yoga or you know, meditation. Um, I think the, the opposite of, you know, looking at a laptop or a computer yeah. is super key. And so, you know, I probably run like what, 25 to 35 miles a week. And it and helps you. Yeah. But I have like strict rules also when it comes to, uh, the life balance, for example, I will pull over on the side of the road and I will throw my running shoes and I have, you know, 50 minutes from when I park to when I get back to my car, uh, towel up, I'll throw back on a collared shirt, you know, run into my accountant who she's like, why do you, why are you sweating? It looks very weird. Um, <laughs> but I literally just ran for, you know, 42 minutes and it could be a sprint, it could be a jog. It's, it's, what does it give you? It, it gives me you know, a, a little bit of a reset, ah. um, you know, and then in terms of like family and, you know, kids and, and, you know, parents, it's, it's important to, you know, make these times. My mother loves to call me every Monday at probably like nine Oh two. I'm like, <laughs> you understand I'm, I have things to do and there's a, a, you know, responsible parties that I, I speak with. And she's like, yeah, but I want to know if you want to do cake this Thursday, you know, so it's important to you know address these things and, and keep yourself, you know, in an equilibrium that keeps you again, what I mentioned before, optimizing your time, optimizing your, you know, your money and making sure that you're in a good place so that you can effectively see 
the marketplace and the business that you're in. I'm looking at, you know, the industry, the, you know, my employees, my customers, my advertising, the, my climate, you know, how are things looking? Because a lot of those things fall on you as an entrepreneur. And so you have to be able to recognize them and either answer those questions or recognize that you're going to find the person to answer those questions to keep your business moving forward. So it's really about keeping you on point because you're the tip of the spear, it sounds like. So what an outstanding insight. Thank you. Okay, so jumping into the next question. What role does continuous learning and adaptation play in your entrepreneurial strategy? Well, I feel these are all circling back to you and um, <laughs> I'm going to get to you in two seconds. So I have an uncle who, or a second uncle, he rode a horse to junior high. He watched the shuttle land on the moon and he sent a picture through a PDF over the internet via an email. And that was a diversity of his personal life experience. And he told me, Art, I've literally ridden a horse to school milked a cow, watched an astronaut land on the moon, and now I'm send you a picture via the telephone through a computer, which is effectively a TV screen. His biggest thing that he projected onto me was the ability to continue to learn and be adaptable to the change that is consistently happening. Um, John F. Kennedy once said it best, uh, the only consistency is inconsistency, which means things are always changing. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity of meeting Ripley when she was getting close to being out of grad school. Um, you know, I have a wealth of experience and have done mildly well in business. Meeting her, seeing her ingenuity and her skill set and her ability, I was like, this is someone that I want with my organization and this is someone that I can learn with. So again, what we talked about before about uh, experience. Experience can be two parts. It can be uh, you know, hard learned experience. It can be educational experience. It could be someone older than you. It could be someone younger than you. It's about finding what allows you to continue to improve and, and improve your organization specifically. So continuous learning, grabbing someone like Ripley, adaptation, being able to, you know, not be stuck in your ways, which I will be honest, it, it is naturally, you know, inherent that, you know, humans will want to stick to what they know best and you have to be willing to, you know, change with the times as they say. I love that How's you that touched on that there? actually, because that is a perfect segue from my previous episode about, you know, entrepreneurship and some of the hesitations that successful entrepreneurs have when outside sources give them advice. And how, what do you think about that when they are unwilling to learn or are hesitant to new insights? I mean, that's the first sign of a demise. And so mm, um, powerful. you need to be willing to hear it. Now, if you may be an expert in whatever field you may be in and you may say, you know what, that's a bad idea and it's not going to apply here. That's perfectly fine, but you have to be willing to hear the opportunity just as you were when you first started out in entrepreneurship 
just as you first started out when you were doing whatever you were doing or you're midway through or you're at the end or you're willing to sell. I mean, we've had companies that we've tried to sell where, you know, hedge funds come in and they're like telling me how it is. And I was like, you're just actually a terrible person with a terrible business plan that's actually not going to serve us well. Uh, I heard it. I listened. And here's another ringer of a question. Does the gender and age of the deliverer of this news play a role? Have you seen that? Um, age and gender prejudice has been consistent throughout time. And you chose a young female as your number two. Why was that? That's very advanced. You think it's advanced. I look at it as I would look at a performa. Is it, does it improve our business? Does it enhance our business and will it make it better? Um, you know, when I was a young entrepreneur, like 25 years old, you know, my number two and number three were like 40, 50 year old, you know, a male and a female. And they're like, I can't believe I'm taking a check from a young kid. And I was like, I mean, checks cash the same, don't they? <laughs> now, mind you, as I said, check, that tells you how old I am because we were actually <laughs> writing physical checks. Um, and as it relates to Ripley and, you know, her, you know, learned experience and, you know, her qualifications, if I can find a quality human, both, you know, competent and with skill sets that benefit our business, I, I have no prejudice and, but does it exist out there? 100%. Have I not set you up for meetings, you know, put you in a meeting and they've been, you know, pretentious or, or rude. And I was like, you know, I didn't send this person you know, out of spite, I sent this person to, you know, enhance our business. And I think it's been a very interesting observation, um, especially with the, I don't want to say me too. I'll say more with, in mm. terms of, uh, equality with women workforce, mm -hmm. equality with, you know, age workforce, you know, we may, you know, the older generation may give a hard time to millennials and, you know, the, the youngers, but they bring a high value of, of what's there and i also think the same thing applies to like you know the older generation they have a certain you know they cadence. have a lot of things to contribute yeah so it's about taking everything that will improve your business that is the most important thing whether and they're it, purple it, green you know tall short all of the you know, whatever the case may be you want to find what enhances your business and and be unprejudiced to it i love that I think that's so cool. And that takes active listening and active. It takes a high you know, level of emotional Trust me, Ripley has given me, you know, uh, my improvement areas. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Thank you for <laughs> all the things I should improve on. 16. You know, and she asked me, can I elaborate on this? She asked me, she goes, is this too, she goes, is this too invasive? Invasive. And I was like, yes, it is. And she goes, are you upset? And I was like, yes. She goes, well, are you going to say anything? I was like, no, because there's actually... <laughs> At the end of the day, I care about, you know, the overall well-being of our business and our strategies and our improvements. And so I will take these, this input from whoever it may be, and then we will categorize it and use it to what serves the business best. Okay, you're almost out of the hot seat. Last and final question. And it's a deep one. Given your success in selling businesses, what emotional considerations come into play when parting ways with a venture that you've really nurtured? So that question is 
heavily loaded, <laughs> starting with the word emotional. Um, anytime you're, you know, most of our businesses we build, we want to sell. And so building um, obviously in, entangles us with emotional consideration. And so I'll give you three things when, when parting ways and, and trying to find the right buyer or, you know, in this case, seller to, to give the business to. Um, one, my consideration is to the employees that built the business. Mm. What they have done, who's my core group, who are my fringe people, how will this affect them personally? Because they have bought into the ethos of what I've established and built out. The second thing is the compensation for my time. Mm. Um, the emotional consideration of that is the value of my time is insurmountable. The value of my time to the buyer is constantly questioned. Is and, it monetized? It's, it, yeah, it's, it's devalued constantly. Mm. They're like it's, it's you're, you're not worth what you say you're worth. It's a constant push down, push down, push down. It's a negotiation or it's, something. It's a constant negotiation. Wow. And it, it's a, and but the posturing of the negotiation is where your emotions will take control. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be considerate of. I may value my business as X, they may value those X minus two. How can I see past that to see the actual compensation that I'm actually going to get for this business? And then the third thing is really the future success of this new stewardship of the business. Fine. I will agree to a lesser value because I'm, I'm big into, I will take a number that works for everyone. I will make sure my employees have a home moving forward. Um, but will the business continue to be successful under the new stewardship based on what I've provided so that I don't actually write a bad deal for someone else. I actually am making sure that this business will be successful and that all parties will be happy within reason. And so I have to think of those things and they are all entangled on my emotion. So I have to back out and say, these employees are valued and I appreciate them, but I have to understand that some people may not stay after the, the transition. I also have to understand that my value of dollar may not be the same and I have to be willing to consider a different number. And then lastly, will the experience of my consumer or clients be the same or if not better? And am I okay with that too? And these are all things that trigger while you're in the meeting, because in any kind of like acquisition or sale, they're constantly trying to, you know, they, they want to buy from you and they want to buy what you have. And they want to tell you that what you have isn't worth as much as what you think it is. And you have to be able to compartmentalize that into your ability to negotiate the best deal for what you're looking for. Interesting. So what if someone who's interested in taking on one of your ventures checks four out of five boxes? Is that a, a no-fly zone or is it something you consider? Are they weighed differently? Um, four out of five is very rigorous. I think it just, it's, it's, these are, you know, malleable, you know, benchmarks to what you find acceptable. And if it makes sense for all parties involved, you know, you push forward. They have the intent of buying and you have the intent of selling. Right. So make it work, address the things that you want addressed. And I think you'll find a, a happy medium. How many suitors do you go through on average when selling off a business? Is it one? Is it 10? Is it 20? So I rely on some like strategic partners that will bring me suitors based on what I'm trying to sell or what I'm trying to pass on. And that is, is key to 
talking to the right people. It's mm. also important you understand someone may come to you and be like, oh, I want to buy your business, you know, but the reality is, is that what are they actually, what is their true intent? And so there is a, a level of courtship and, you know, buffering Ooh, that you word. have to, you know, work through. Why do I want to do business with people? Why do I not want to do business with these people? Um, and that's a whole other, you know, aspect of, of what you've done. And remember, you have a lot of pride. You have a lot of, you know, consideration you have success that you're being considered and you're almost effectively going back to i've done a great job and now i have to renegotiate from the mm -hmm. beginning so it's it, it is emotionally taxing and you know i've walked from you know we had a hedge fund out of texas and they were just like we're just going to grind you down for a year and a half and i was like we're, we're having great success i don't need to be badgered for a I year i need and to half. go through that yeah like we'll, we'll just find somebody else wow very interesting thank you What a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Art. So as we conclude this insightful conversation, let's remember that success is not just about reaching the destination, but also about embracing the transformative journey. Reflect on all of the lessons that he was so gracious to share with us today. Apply them to your own endeavors, whatever they may be, and always keep pushing the boundaries of what you believe is possible. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Mindscapes and Beyond. Until next time, stay inspired and keep exploring the limitless possibilities of your mind. Ripley, thank you. And uh, as I understand your show, let's uh, cheers to um, <laughs> endless possibilities, unwavering resilience, and the boundless horizon of success. Cheers to you and your, your audience. Amazing. Thank you, Art. <laughs>